You're stupid too as I You're stupid too as I You'll never live You'll never die Welcome back to the Better Off Dead Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Better Off Dead one obstinate minute at a time. We're your hosts, Curtis Blaze from thesacknews.com. And Jason Hummel from Mondo Confidential. Today, we are examining Minute 10, which starts with Lane backing up from the stoplight he almost ran, and ends with Beth telling someone on the phone that she is going to break up with Lane and start dating Roy Stalin. Minute 10, Friday, end of the second week. Can you believe we already made it two weeks? Wow. It's just mind-boggling. What you doing this weekend? Well, possibly blogging. I I have a blog that I do uh, reviews of B-movies called Mondo Confidential, which I've mentioned Pretty much in every intro. <laughs> what you working on this weekend? Well, haven't quite planned that out, but the, the latest one I did was on uh, the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a trip. I am taking a trip to Springfield, Missouri to say goodbye to my best friend who's moving to Florida and oh. now will be several days away instead of several hours away. Ooh. Yeah. That's what social media is for. Well, like we said earlier, when the, when the minute begins, Lane is backing up from a stoplight that he nearly ran. And as the camera backs up with him, we discover... The Ree Brothers. Played by Yuji Okamoto and Brian Amata. Yuji Okamoto, the talking one? Do I have that right? Yes. Plays Yi Suk Ree. And Brian Amata plays Chen Ree. Yep. Very interesting characters. The, the stoic one, given kind of like the Clint Eastwood look. Yeah, the Ree brothers. Two brothers. One that doesn't talk, and one that learned to talk by watching the wide world of sports. So, Brian Amata, it looks like he's mostly known for stunts. Yeah, he's got an extensive resume on stunts. Right after... Oh, well, as an actor, better off dead... The next thing he was in is It's a Living. He was, uh, he, was the, he was the hatchet guy in Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. Huh. I totally know the hatchet guy. He's best known for Batman v Superman, The Last Samurai, Collateral, and Role Models. Have you seen any of those movies? I've seen Role Models. Oh, interesting. I've never even heard of Role Models. Collateral I saw, but I don't remember him in it. I wonder what he did. Yeah, Role Models is another one of those kind of like vulgar, super bad kind of comedies. So this guy did stunts for a lot of movies that I like. They Live, Stuntman. Black Rain. Oh, yeah, Black Rain. That was uh, Douglas? Yeah, Kirk Douglas. Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. (laughs) That would have been an interesting movie, you know. Rising Star. Kirk Kirk Douglas and Black Rain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Rising Sun The Crow Escape from L.A. I wonder if he was the guy that they put superimposed Brad and Lee's face onto After he died Oh god, Escape from L.A. <laughs> uh, as much as I love the original The other, the second one was just <laughs> mixed, Very mixed feelings about that one <laughs> Well, this guy really went on to have quite a career. 
Total. He was he was stunts in the 2012 Total Recall. Does did the stunts for Batman v Superman? So did I see? Oh, okay. So that's what he's known for. But he didn't, strictly speaking, act in those the way that he did as the Wing Kong Hatchet Man in Big Trouble in Little China, for instance. Yeah, he, he might have been like stunt coordinator on some of those, too. What an interesting guy. I would not have guessed that he went on to do anything. I mean, you can see from the look on his face that he's a tough guy, you know? Yeah, he does kind of have that tough guy look. Yi Suk Ri, he's the guy who talks? Do I have that right? Yeah, he's the guy that talks like Howard Cosell. He was a interesting little factoid. It, it might be obvious to other people, but I only learned it uh, while researching this. He was voice replaced by Rich Little. Yep. But he had come prepared. He he had taken the concept of a guy who only learned to speak English from listening to wide wide world of sports, Rich or uh, Howard Cosell, excuse me, and figured out what it would sound like if someone with an Asian accent was doing Howard Cosell. So his performance was Howard Cosell with an Asian accent in the movie. Which, that would have been something to hear, I think. You know, I'd like to know if there are any, like, outtakes of him actually doing the voice. That would be really good if we could get, like, the... If I, I'd like to see a... a a version of that with that restored just to see what it's like. Yeah. He's still working today. According to IMDb, he's got a movie in the works right now called Ultra Low. And another one called Unspoken, The Diary of an Assassin. Best known for Beta Test. I haven't seen it. No. Nope. Karate Kid Part 2. I saw it way too much. Yeah, a long time ago. He More was, than I'd like to admit. He was chosen. <laughs> uh, Johnny Tsunami. Never heard of it. I have some vague memory of that name. It just, just sounds familiar, but I don't think I ever saw it. The picture on the cover depicts him surfing down a mountain in Hawaiian clothes on a surfboard. <laughs> and better off dead. But, you know, being best known for those things, in my world, this guy's best known for being Johnny Mnemonic, the video game. The interactive action yeah, movie. Yeah, not the movie, the video game. <laughs> the interactive action movie based on the movie, based on the video game, based on the book, I think is how that went. The inter the interactive action movie. Do you remember these things? I think I've got this right where it's sort of like a choose your own adventure, but you you choose like it's a branching movie and you choose which way it goes when you click on a choice do you remember those things yeah like but it was on a dvd that was back in 95 that was around the time that they did uh that uh, douglas adams did i think he had a, a hitchhiker's guide game didn't he in fact the BBC has just made that entire game available for free online at their website. Really? You can play it. You can log in. You can save your status. Uh, and you can play it. Cool. And you can go back to, uh, <laughs> unlike the real game where you had to start over every time, now you can make three moves. And if you save your move every time and you screw up the next move, you can just go back to that last move. Nice. 
you have to go through the effort of saving it every time. I've been playing it. <laughs> so before Better Off Dead, though, this guy was Fenton in Real Genius. I'm trying to remember Fenton. It's been ages since I've seen Real Genius. I always remember, remember Michelle Mayrink, though. She was in, like, everything for a couple of years. He was, like, Val Kilmer had sort of two sidekicks in Real Genius. So he was the Asian one. Yeah. The one that invented the ice in the ice capade scene that uh, didn't need cleaned up because it automatically turned to gas. Oh, yeah. It's like dry ice. Yeah. Pretty big speaking part in that movie, as I recall. So he was kind of a rising star at that point. And obviously has worked steadily. Yeah. A lot of television. Notably. T.J. Hooker. Simon and Simon. (laughs) Knott's Landing. Nobody knows Knott's Landing. <laughs> Murder, she wrote. <laughs> <laughs> but all the way up, uh, did the rounds through the crime stories that became popular in the early 2000s. And then, did we say it before? He's he's filming Ultra Low, an unspoken diary of assassin? Yes, yeah, we did. Yes, we did. Yep. Ultra Low looks like it might be a kung fu movie. And it's not. <laughs> a meta drama. It's like a movie within a movie kind of deal. Described as clerks, uh, as a cross between clerks and entourage. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to see this movie. I'm writing it down. So, a lot of swearing and a lot of nerdy references <laughs> and a lot of partying, I guess. On top of their car is a PA system. What are the implications of this? Why do you think they have a PA system on top of their car? <laughs> hmm. Well, obviously, they're broadcasting to the entire neighborhood. To anyone who will listen. Yes, but when they're not racing lane, and they're driving around in their Howard Cosell coat, <laughs> coats, do you think they're just narrating random things? Yeah, like a little old lady crossing the street with her uh, poodle. <laughs> you know, I like to think that's what's going on. The mailman is about to drop a letter. I never thought about the life that they live outside of Racing Lane before. (laughs) There was enough of a need for them to create this PA system on top of their car. Yeah. So obviously somebody's listening. Or at least they think somebody is. Now Lane and the Reed brothers have obviously raced before. Lane's prepared. He's got... What's he got? He's got uh, Playtex gloves with the fingers cut out. (laughs) That's right. And uh, uh, welding goggles. Yeah, can't forget the goggles. This suggests that they regularly race. And we see this a couple of times in the movie. Yeah, there's at least two or three races, I think. Lane looks very confident as he snaps his welding goggles into place, getting ready (laughs) to race. Now, he's in uh, the family station wagon that we saw earlier. Yes. And the Ree brothers are driving a 1965 Ford Falcon. Rust-colored. Yes, very oxidational. Are there any cars in this movie that aren't 20 years old? No, I don't I don't think there are any new cars. Lane, Lane's Camaro is a... 1967 Chevy. Yeah, the station wagon. The old truck that the Porky's guy is driving. Yeah, that's, the, yeah the Porky's guy's truck looks really old. Maybe we'll find newer cars later in the movie. Moving on, they uh, take off to race, and uh, 
Lane accidentally gets into reverse and crashes into a truck uh, driven by the owner of Pig Burger. An actor by the name of? Chuck Mitchell. Most famous for being being Porky. In the Porky's movies. The first two, he's not in the third one. So the third one, kind of disappointing capper to the trilogy. Is third one, no. The next day was the one where they did the Midsummer Night's sex... Comedy, comedy yeah. with the uh, Southern preacher and the Klansman. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh god, the movie's all rushing back to me. Was that the fake vomit one too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a great scene. Uh, this guy. Okay, what's his name? Chuck Mitchell, who's actually known as Rocco, plays the character Rocco in this movie. Even though I don't think his name is actually said. Well, according to IMDb. Yeah. Which is, of course, the Bible. Well, okay, so his name isn't said. What's the name of the restaurant? Pig Burger. Oh, okay. He was in Simon and Simon, too. Imagine if he and the other guy were on the same episode. Oh, uh, Mr. Ukamoto? yeah. I'd watch that. I'm actually motivated to go look up that episode and see. Wait a minute. It's a, the, it, IMDB says he was in Porky's Revenge. That's the third one? That's the third one. Well, then he was, wasn't he? Porky Wallace. I didn't know Porky had a last name. <laughs> Is Porky's Revenge the one where they... There's like a... A rigged basketball game. That's right. Ooh, that was sad. <laughs> so his credits suddenly stop in 1987. I wonder. Pudgy Stallone? <laughs> oh, he was in American Pop. The uh, Bakshi uh, animated movie. The Hearse? Oh, God, don't answer the phone. One of the sickest slasher movies ever. Why is it sick? <laughs> uh, the, the, the killer has, like, it's like Taxi Driver, but with, like, Catholic damage. He does all these weird, like, bastardized versions of Catholic rituals. And then after he kills somebody, he calls up onto a, a radio shrink show and uses a Mexican accent to recount his crimes. I've never seen it. (laughs) It's a classic of its kind. Chuck Mitchell uh, passed away in 1992 at the age of... 64. Wow, quick with the math skills there. Remington Steele. Well, it looks like after Porky's, Mr. Mitchell did a lot of roles in which he played people like Mr. Wallace. (laughs) Yeah, he, he was pretty much typecast, playing the heavy... No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) He gets out of the truck and says that he's going to activate Lane's dental plan. I love that line. (laughs) It's one of the most oblique threats I've ever heard. (laughs) Yeah, you know exactly what it means. Yeah. You know, something that always bothered me about this scene, I've been in plenty of races in my life, and I've never accidentally put the car in reverse. (laughs) I don't think this station wagon is a stick shift, is it? I don't think so. But to be fair, he was, he was backing up. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's very subtly kind of brilliant. <laughs> there was a reason for it to be in reverse. I never thought of that. Yeah. Nice. So he runs into uh, Rocco's pickup. Yeah. It's like he starts to do almost like a California roll, and then he goes, oh, no, oh, no, oh. got to scoot back, got to make it full stop. One of the things that always comes up when talking about Rocco and Lane's relationship Obviously, later on, we find out that Rocco is Lane's boss. Yes. 
This is after he's hit the car, after he's run into his truck. Twice. Twice. (laughs) Then he goes to work for Rocco. So he appears to be a heavy, but I've got a theory that Rocco really is a soft-hearted pile of fluff. (laughs) Who just secretly wants to help out this kid that he sees as a screw-up by giving him a job. Thinking of him as like a fixer-upper. Yet his rough exterior doesn't allow him to not be hypercritical at all times. (laughs) And this plays out later, too, because even though he fires him, he ends up still letting him take his date to uh, the restaurant after hours. Yeah. Uh, We'll talk about that when we get to that minute. Yeah. So we leave Lane trying to fend off Rocco with his foot from the other side of the car (laughs) as Rocco is threatening to dismember him. Or at least knock his teeth out. And with great cries of, wah! And we switch immediately to Beth talking on the phone to somebody, looking at a picture of Lane inside of a frame that she has opened up and is now removing his photo from and replacing it with, dun dun dun, Roy Stalin. Do you think he was named Stalin on purpose? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Holland's sense of humor? Yeah, definitely. Naming his, the, the bad guy after a fascist dictator. This guy plays such a classic 80s bad guy that before I started watching this movie, I had a memory of him being in many, many movies as the bad guy. Yeah. Which is weird because really, he's been in two movies. Better Off Dead and was it The Soldier? No, it was Hail to the Chief about the first female president... And he just played a character called the soldier ah. in one of the episodes. I think it was a TV show. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a TV ah. show. So not even a movie. And then it is rumored, but this information is very, very old, that he quit acting. Well, we know he quit acting, but that he took over coaching the Boston College ski team. Which is quite ironic, considering he is the captain of the ski team in the movie, Better Off Dead. I wonder if at the beginning of each season, he's like, who wants to hold my clipboard? <laughs> you look like a good little helper. <laughs> What's your name? Is he your main wiener man? But yeah, I, I, th- I think the reason it seems like he's been in a lot of movies is because he was basically playing the Billy Zabka type bad guy. Explain to me what Billy Zabka is. He is Johnny in the uh, Karate Kid movies. Yeah, the blonde, all-American, seemingly perfect rival. Well, I agree with you. I also have specific false memories (laughs) about this guy in particular being in many, many movies. Really? I think it's his sort of accent and his hair and his popped collar. Like, if I wasn't paying attention, he could be Troy in The Goonies. Oh, yeah. He could have been a guy. He could have been the guy in... One Crazy Summer with the Yacht. Oh, yeah. Uh, Beckerstead. But there you go. He's in two things, gave up acting, and became a coach, apparently. Which kind of surprises me because he did a pretty good job in this movie. Yeah. He's, he's very loathable. So if we didn't say it yet, Roy Stalin's played by Aaron Dozier, I believe it's pronounced. Yep. So we find out from this conversation that Beth is having with whoever it is on the phone, which is never revealed that she's dumping Lane for Roy. 
And why wouldn't she go out with him? Yeah, he's good looking. He's successful. He's popular. And he skis the K-12. But uh, I wondered if if it was really like a spur-of-the-moment decision, like just because he asked her out, or if she'd been like stewing on it for a while. Well, I'll say this. Beth, uh, at least, was nice enough to wait until tryouts were over so that Lane wouldn't throw up on anybody's head again. (laughs) Yeah, don't want him yakking from the ski lift. I noticed she only has one picture of Lane. Black and white. Very similar to the picture that he takes into the shower with him. Yeah. Of her. Which which look like probably headshots. Yeah, I think they're both just headshots of the actors. Yeah. Well, I think I am just about talked out on this minute. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Minute 10 of the Better Off Dead movie? (laughs) I think we covered it. I think that's always going to be awkward for me. (laughs) Yeah, but there's always the suspense. Will he have one more thing to say? Will it ever happen? You know, it's like, will he catch the Roadrunner? Well, Jason, before we go, I'd like to take a moment here at the end of week two to thank everybody for listening to the show, for putting up with our technical glitches and general shenanigans. And our learning curve (laughs) while we figure out how to do this podcasting business. So far, it's been a lot of fun. Most definitely. We've been grateful for the feedback. We'd like to see that feedback continue. Tell us what you think of the show at betteroffdeadminute.com, which is actually linked to our Facebook page, which has an index to all the shows that we've recorded so far. I'll have to check, but I think... The donate button is functional by now, if I did that right this morning. <laughs> so you can feel free to give us a one-time donation to help keep us on the road. Thanks, of course, to the Star Wars Minute guys, Alex Robinson and Pete the Retailer, for inventing the format and inspiring all of us to do it. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, if you want us, you can find us at thebetteroffdeadminute.com at our Facebook page. You can email us at bodminute at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at bodminute. You can leave a voice or text message for us at 712-830-7373. There's really nothing clever. There's no clever words that that makes. 7373, remember that. As always, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a five-star review at iTunes so that we can go up in the rankings and be found more easily. And, uh, God, we'll see you next Monday. Have a good weekend, everyone. Have a good weekend.